welcome to the Young Baptist Podcast, the podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel. <laughs> welcome to the Young Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Josh Johnson, and I'm joined by my co-host, the old man himself, Clay Maynard. What's up, Clay? <laughs> What's up, man? Happy birthday. Yeah, you forgot the <laughs> Oh, that's true. I guess I did. <laughs> what did you say? I said, happy birthday. Oh, thanks, man. You turned, uh, is it your 42nd? Is that correct? Um, 32nd, Josh. <laughs> that's right. Don't let the right. hairline, don't let that's the hairline right. fool you. I'm still young. Okay. That's what we'll see. That's what we'll go with. Hey, if, if we could, if somebody combined at our age, my hairline and your color, nobody would believe that they were young. That's so true. That is how so can, true. How can we get away with calling ourselves the young Baptist podcast with I, our we, hair situation, bro? We should call it the deceptive Baptist podcast, but then again, you could just <laughs> call it the Baptist podcast and left it at that. No, I'm just kidding. Ooh, burn. You could. <laughs> You cut it out there and so I didn't hear the joke. Okay. Well, great. <laughs> um, how was your Thanksgiving, Clay? Thanksgiving was great, man. We have two Thanksgivings, uh, typically. We have my family has Thanksgiving and my wife's family has Thanksgiving. And so it's it's always very interesting because the food is different. My wife grew up in the Netherlands. And so there has some Dutch influences, but they're, she was born in New York. So it has some uh, upstate New York uh, influences. And of course I was born in God's country down here in the South. And so <laughs> uh, the, the food influences are very different. So we have two, we had uh, my wife's on Thursday and then we have my family's yesterday. So on Saturday, uh, it was, they were both terrific though. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about how great it is to have, I didn't grow up eating uh, cranberry sauce. And, you know, for most people, that's like an unpardonable sin that you wouldn't have cranberry sauce. I didn't either. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear because you hear about it so much. People will go nuts for the cranberry sauce, but I don't actually think cranberry sauce is that amazing. I think it's just acts as a, because it's so tart and, and sharp, it acts as a great foil for the rest of the foods. Yeah. So it's like a palate resetter. I like it. Oh, I, yeah, I, I've, I've really grown to love it through my wife's family. And, but now like I, I can, exp I, I appreciate it now in a way that I didn't think I would. Cause I'm like, really cranberry sauce is not that special, but having it with those other foods, I feel yeah. like it, it, it presents such a nice contrast to the other foods. So then in a way you have sort of like a foreign Thanksgiving, is that include like, you know, there's like a whole fish on the plate with the eye and everything. Like, is that part of the foreign experience or what does that look like? I've got visions of, from the office, I've got visions of Dwight's um, Pennsylvania Dutch Christmas right now yeah, going through my yeah. head. Like, what does he call it? Hog maw. Yes. And uh, Hufflepuffs and something else. I don't know mm -hmm. what it was all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but there are some other, several other dishes. Oh, glue, glue vine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The stuff that Daryl drinks, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. No, uh, no, uh, no Belschnickel though. Oh man. That's a bummer. <laughs> We're coming into Belschnickel season though. So that's, that's right. Okay. I, you know what? One day for Halloween, I'm going to dress up as Belschnickel. Are we allowed to talk about Halloween on a Baptist podcast? Yeah, who cares, man? We can do what we want. <laughs> We're those kind of Baptists. Oh, man. Yeah, but we had a great... Yeah, we, we had a great uh, Thanksgiving. How was yours? It was good. We, uh, we went to Thanksgiving with the bros. It was quite a journey for us, uh, but we made it safely. <laughs> for those of you who may not know, the bros live close to the church. And I live close to the church, so it was literally walking across the parking lot. <laughs> uh, but no, it was a good time. We just kind of had a little bit of food, played a little bit of games, then we went home and caught up with family on FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. Do you do the the food coma nap afterwards this year? I don't normally get to, but this year I totally did a great nap, and uh, it was it was it was the stuff of legends. It was wonderful. I don't remember 
the last time I took a nap on purpose. <laughs> like not just for Thanksgiving, but anytime. <laughs> I've gotten really away from it. Growing up, we did naps all the time and I enjoy it when I do it, but it's almost always on accident. I don't ever plan to. I just like lay down on the couch and I'm just with the family or with the kids or whatever. And I just lay down and all of a sudden I'm gone. When we were doing evening services, that was my thing. Like go home, I would get a nap and then come back to church. But you know, now that we've, yeah. we've gone the way of secularism and dumped our evening service, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now you believe in the day of rest, not just the two hours of rest in the afternoon. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, we're coming into, you mentioned we're coming into Christmas season. That's what we want to talk about tonight. That's right. Clay, have you been, uh, have you been admirable or impish? <laughs> I have been, I don't know if I can answer that. Um, I'll give hey, you, you know the what? answer. <laughs> we are all impish. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That my wife is, uh, is standing in the room as I'm recording this and she said impish. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and she would be the one to ask. Well, okay then. Yeah, she, uh, no, the truth is, man, I, <laughs> the truth is I love Christmas because contrary to what Santa Claus teaches it, uh, it, we do not have to earn our gifts. Isn't that wonderful? That's so true. You know that Santa but, uh, is just, let's talk about this. What do you, I was just going to say, you know, Go that, ahead. uh, Santa is just the word Satan reoriented, right? think about it oh man that that'll 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 uh boil your noodle right there that's the end of the episode everybody <laughs> you can't handle the truth no you can't handle the truth but hey the you know we talk about christmas in this episode we want to talk about what we love about christmas um and there's a lot to love about christmas i mean even the the basic small things i don't know if you've ever if you had a lot of christmas traditions josh i know that's a big thing. Just like Thanksgiving, people have Christmas traditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, to me, Christmas is not complete without eggnog. Bless your heart. You don't like eggnog? Oh, no, man. I drink oh, man. one cup of eggnog every single holiday season. And I've already done it this year. So I'm good. And the only reason I do that <laughs> is to remind myself why I don't drink eggnog. Ah, you poor soul. And I've had just, the good stuff, the stuff out of like the glass bottle. Yeah, I, I mean, I have, I love eggnog. I absolutely wonderful. And oh man, that's crazy. Well, how about let me ask you this? What about picking out trees? Are you were your family the kind where like you wanted to see it die, so you went out in the woods and like cut it down yourself, or did you get it from a store, or did you get it? Was it real or fake? Talk to me. Yeah, so we always did a fake tree growing up. In fact. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad. I know you're going to listen to this. <laughs> In fact, I think it was only like five years ago, maybe even less, that mom and dad got rid of the tree that we had when I was growing up. And it was wow. so, so bare by this point. Because, you know, with your yeah. artificial trees, all of the the fake stuff falls off eventually. Yep. But... Yeah, that's what me and Michaela do, though. We just go with the artificial as well. It's just a lot easier and more convenient. Uh, I've never, so, ever been out in the woods to cut down my own tree or had a real <laughs> tree. Don't know anything about it. I thought I thought you being up in Wyoming that, you know, you'd fire off a few shotgun rounds to chase the moose away or whatever. Well, here's get... the problem. <laughs> The snow is already too deep by that point. So you can't even get to the base of the tree. So that's, that's true. That's true. We growing up, we always had real trees. Now we bought them. My parents bought them every year, but it was a big thing going, picking out the tree. And I have to say, I look back now with a lot of fondness on those memories. We would get coffee out sometimes and so, or hot chocolate. And so it was kind of a memory, like we were all, it's freezing and we all have hot chocolate and we got the tree on top of the vehicle and stuff like that. And it, to make matters crazier my parents you've seen my parents house or at least pictures right yeah uh with the huge center room where they ran the children's home and uh and they would put eight right now i think there's about a 12 foot tree in there that we helped them after thanksgiving we had thanksgiving dinner yesterday we helped them light or my my wife actually lit the tree for them the christmas tree and it's this wow. big huge 12 foot tree you need an eight foot ladder to light it um 
And so it, there was a lot of fondness around those memories. But when we got our own house, it was like, man, real trees are a lot of work. You're watering mm-hmm. it. You're cleaning up all these um, these pine needles everywhere. So we just we just bought a fake one because it's so much easier. It's easier. Yeah. So you're just saying that you basically we figured, grew up in a you grew up in a Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So let's say let's just say something like that. Yeah. Um <laughs> we I will say it was fun and it smelled really good to get those oh, yes. that fresh tree in your house for Christmas. Um, but we just decided with our kids, let's make the, uh, let, we'll make the tradition around like decorating the tree. Let's mm-hmm. make that the big thing and, and, um, leave the real thing behind any other traditions that were big for you, like any foods particularly or traditions or. Yeah. So I don't know when it started, but I know it was when my cousin was young, he was, gosh, he was maybe like three or four years old, maybe five. And my grandfather dressed up like Santa Claus and came to the house on Christmas Eve and made everyone in the family come sit on his knee. And that was when my cousin was like five. (laughs) We literally did that every year, like up until I was through college. That That just became one of our things. Yeah. And he would actually bring a little gift and, you know, we would, we would do that. And he would, he'd come back in the house later and act like what happened, you know? And, it was so dumb, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, Kids, Belschnickel isn't real. Yeah. It's me, Dwight. <laughs> Dwight. <laughs> uh, that's one that sticks out. And st- like for some reason, we would like we'd go to my grandparents' house. Stockings were a really big thing. That was my grandma's thing. She would always do stockings, and she would do. Uh, it would have like there'd be a pencil, some like small little stationary notebook. You probably got an orange, maybe a little bit of candy every year, no yeah. matter what. And there was always, yep. I remember a lot of people, not a lot, but other people from the church that would come over for thank, for Christmas dinner and they'd get their stockings, yes. just those kind of things. What about you guys besides getting the tree and having your little Hallmark movie moment? Yeah. So we... you. You mentioned uh, having people over for Christmas dinner. That was a big thing we did around um, Thanksgiving. Growing up, uh, my parents always extended that Thanksgiving invite to anybody in our church who didn't have anybody. Like if you didn't have family in town to be with or you didn't whatever. And that sort of stuck with me that around Christmas or Thanksgiving, I am always asking people that I know may not be traveling or, or maybe they don't have family in town. I'm always asking them, Hey, what are you doing? What are you, what are your plans? Cause if they tell me, ah, we don't really have any, or we're just going to be in town. Uh, I usually invite them over uh, just because I think that's what the holiday, one of the things the holiday season should remind us of is, is, um, is to be grateful and to look out for each other. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's a, it's a time to that, that the world kind of typically slows down a little bit outside of the commercialization of, of the shopping craze. It does kind of slow down around, around other things. Um, you know, the, the, the news cycle seems to slow down a little bit and uh, the world seems to get outside of the shopping a little less crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good opportunity to think about, uh, generosity and think about those around us who could use if nothing else some warm friendship and fellowship around the holiday season so that's something that my parents did that stuck with me uh, especially thanksgiving but we even started doing it for christmas some of our earliest uh memories in our marriage was when we got our first place to live christmas night people often do christmas morning with their families but for christmas night we would always watch a movie or play games. We do coffee and hot chocolate and cider and stuff like that. And it was, yeah. it was always a lot of fun. So we, we still, we don't do it every year, but we are, we're open to doing it every year based on, are there people who would like to do something like that? Um, that you just, re- year, but- you just reminded me of another one. Uh, every year, as soon as Thanksgiving was over, like growing up, the rule was no Christmas movies until after Thanksgiving. Um, uh, uh-huh. Every year after Thanksgiving was over, we would watch The Muppets Christmas Carol. Every <laughs> year. Um, and I'm going to watch it still, man. I'm going to go watch it here in the next couple of days because that's just so, part of who Char- I am as a person. <laughs> yeah, we always watch uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yep. Um, and and the uh, you were talking about other traditions. Uh, did you open a gift on Christmas Eve? We did well, like we did, but it was always the same thing. It was always we got like a new set of pajamas on Christmas Eve. Okay, 
Yeah, my parents wouldn't let us pick certain gifts because they wanted them to be saved for Christmas Day, but yeah. they would let us pick one gift often on Christmas Eve. And sometimes they would make us pick one. They'd have a gift that was for all three of us kids. And they'd be like, you can open that one because that'll be like one gift for all three of you that you can open on Christmas Eve just to get your your appetite whetted for Christmas Day. Were but, you guys uh, uh, were you guys early risers on Christmas Day or no? No. And and when we did get up, we often ate breakfast first. So my mom uh, would always make a full Christmas breakfast of like eggs, bacon, biscuits, gravy. My parents ran a children's home for a lot of years too. So there was often like 25 people eating breakfast uh, that morning. And, uh, you know, what's wild, Josh, you'll, you'll like this. Um, there were some years where there was a lot of plenty. And I say that to say where they would get several gifts for each boy in the home include, and that would include, of course, their own kids. They'd get us, you know, multiple things. And then of course our grandparents would, would pitch into and get us stuff. And so we always, we had net, we never lacked on Christmas. We always had good food and we always had gifts, but I remember some really, really rough years where, uh, where they gave everybody their favorite cereal. Like that was, that's a true story where everybody got like their favorite cereal. And that was one of their, that was like one of the main things they got for Christmas is a box of their favorite cereal. And I got to tell you what was amazing to me is especially in the early years of that children's home, uh, a lot of the kids they were getting were from like the inner city. Like they were not, they came from nothing and they were so grateful for it. It didn't cross their mind to not be thankful for it. Like they just were happy. And we, I remember having so much fun on that Christmas and looking back on it now, I'm like, man, we got basic, we got very little that year and we were just happy. We were just, yeah. and it just, it sort of reinforces what we know to be true. And that is your happiness doesn't come from your possessions. Right. Uh, it's not the abundant, what does scripture say? It's not the abundance of things that you possess. Um, and so uh, just a kind of reminder of what Christmas is all about. Oh man! <laughs> uh, so you yep, then, and the then Grinch's you... heart grew. Was it five? The Grinch's heart grew five times at that moment. I think so. Yeah. So then you guys <laughs> were not early risers on Christmas. No. Yeah. See, that's a thing. That must be a Southern thing because I remember me and my brother being up early, and then we would go and open gifts. And it wasn't until we got older, like we would do breakfast first. But mom always made mm -hmm. cinnamon rolls on Christmas Day. Did you guys read Luke 2 or something, Christmas Story? Um, I remember doing that at my grandparents, but not at my house. We did oh man, yeah. that's a whole nother that's a whole nother can of worms, too. <laughs> we don't have to do that. We don't have to yeah. out your family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we uh we did some other stuff too that's like, huh, okay. Well, good. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, if we could shift, is I guess it's a good time to shift gears to like the more spiritual side of Christmas. Um, yeah, that would be good. You know, I love Christmas. <laughs> I love Christmas for everything that it means, obviously. We we were just talking before we started recording. And we decided to break this down into sort of the, the there's the smallness of Christmas and the bigness of Christmas. And, you know, that just, the the idea that it's smaller than a lot of people think of it. And it's bigger than a lot of people think of it. And we, we mean specific things by that, obviously, but you know, this, the, um, it's a weird thing dynamic with Christmas because we have a culture that views Christmas a certain way. And it's a sort of a secularization of Christmas, if you will. But then we also obviously have such a blatant Christian element to Christmas that even lost people could be walking through the store and hear, uh, that he, someone was born to give us second birth. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's such an explicit Christian ethic to what Christmas is about that even if you're lost, you know about it, you're aware of it. Maybe it even makes you uncomfortable, but, um, but the virtues of what makes Christmas special, but, but to, to speak to that, you know, we talk about Jesus being born and I think if Hollywood had been given the script for Christmas, they wouldn't, they, they would have never done it No, the yeah. way that God did it. You know, if, if they were casting God's entrance to earth in the form of a human, uh, Joseph's collar is way too blue. <laughs> Mary's too young, um, too simple, right? They, they, it's not the kind of headlining thing. Um, and so the, the royal entry of the son of God um, the way God designed it, he, he brought his son into the world in the presence of sheep. 
and shepherds and a wide-eyed carpenter, right? No spotlights, um, no paparazzi or press, no crowns, just cows chewing the cud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and if God was willing to wrap himself in human flesh that way, he was willing to wrap himself in rags, then all questions, first of all, all questions about whether or not you are enough or whether or not God cares about you are off the table. Um, and because Christ was born that way, we have hope because he didn't come uh, in, 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 as royalty. He didn't step across the sky so that all the world would see him. He'll come one day that way, but that's not how he came to save us. And to me, that's just something I love about Christmas. Cause if, if God is willing to wrap himself in such, just such simple, ordinary means, then all questions about how much God loves us uh, are answered. Yep. And it's neat too, to consider who he, who heard first, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. a bunch of random shepherds. We don't even know their names. It's not even recorded, but they were just out doing their thing one night and their entire life got turned upside down, literally. And it was just real quiet, just like a regular old night for them. And everything changed and nobody else, nobody else had that happen. Just some regular yeah. old dudes. I think that's just so cool. You know, you don't have yeah, to it, have a, you didn't have to be King Herod's kid or some fancy Roman person. They, they just wanted the, God just wanted the shepherds to know about it. Cause he knew that he probably knew they'd yeah. get unchained and just want to go tell everybody. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what they did. I mean, they went out and told everybody what they'd seen and what they'd heard. You know, it, it's a wild, it, they were the first missionaries in a way. <laughs> mm, yeah. But the, it, it's wild to think about how everybody's response to Jesus is you have the wise men who come from, from far away. Um, you have the shepherds who obviously respond in obedience, uh, and go and see where the child was laying. You see Mary and Joseph who meager, humble means, but they, they respond obediently. And God picks a carpenter, which is very interesting. You know, I, I think about carpenters that I've known, you know, they the measure twice cut once, right? If you're a good carpenter. Um, he, he gets this man who, who, uh, who's careful. And he shows he's careful by how he responds at first to Mary's news and then obeys yep. the angel when the angel appears to him and says, fear not, take to her, your take her as your wife. Mm -hmm. And so he does it and obeys God. And then God wakes him in the middle of the night and says, you have to flee, go to Egypt. And he gets up and he flees. And so he's always obedient. And, and just to see the way the humble and the meek and the simple respond to God's, I mean, Mary's prayer is another example of that. Like she rejoices and she says, be, be it unto me as thou hast said, like God, whatever you want with me, that's, that's what I want. And um, just seeing the way, and then all the, most of the royalty, most of the well-to-do people, they respond completely horribly. Look how Herod responds, yeah. you know, it, it, it baffles him to think that that's even, that, to think that this is, is how it's happening. You know, he can't really conceptualize it or, and it's a threat to him. And so he responds terribly. Um, but just to watch God's entrance to the world and all of the people involved in the biblical account and to see how they respond. It's so, it's so instructive and it's so encouraging. Because it means you don't have to be special. You don't have to be um, uh, somebody with a name. You just have to be willing. Yeah. Um, you just have to be willing to be used of God and willing to be obedient uh, to be used by him. You know, that's, yep. that's an amazing thing. I agree. That's it, good. The gospel is to anybody who, like I heard uh, somebody say, that the, only the only qualification that you have to meet to be, to be eligible for the gospel is you have to be a sinner. Mm -hmm. And what's, what's furthermore amazing is the only qualification you have to be used of God is to be willing. God mm -hmm. doesn't need you to be special. And that, that, that means nobody has too little class. Nobody has too little status or too little money. Nobody has, nobody is irrelevant enough that they can't be used by God for his purposes. That's amazing. It is. It really is. But Clay. 
Christmas is also really, really big. <laughs> That's right. Christmas is really big. I think the best way that we see that is in the name Emmanuel, God with us. And man, that the ramifications of that very statement, we don't think about it enough. We don't think about it enough because, well, we're talking about God, you know, like let, we should just probably start there. We're talking about God and he came to be with us. That's amazing. <laughs> like yeah, we read like Isaiah 40 and then I know it's anthropomorphic language there, but the way that Isaiah uses this beautiful poetry to talk about how big God is. And then, yes. you know, he, he came down and took on flesh. He humbled himself. Uh, like Paul, the Paul talks about there in, in Philippians took upon him the form of a servant. Um, that's no small thing. And we should not just, you know, that's not just something we should just read and keep moving at Christmas time. That should be something that, uh, we sit with and we ponder on that God came to be with us, us, like you were just saying us, normal people, everybody. When you are compared to God, we're all just little nothings. Yeah. And he yeah. came to be with us. Uh, man, that's, that's just something else. That's big stuff right there. Yeah. In Hebrews, you know, Job says what's, or uh, I'm sorry, in the Psalms, it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Or is that, is that, is that Psalms or is that Job? That's Psalm 8. Yes, Psalm 8. And then, of course, Hebrews quotes it, talking about the incarnation of Christ. Mm -hmm. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 2, talks about that very same thing. It says, you know, and yet he's made him uh, lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. I love that passage where it talks about that, which things um, the angels even inquired about. It says, it says at the end, I think it's verse 10 in chapter 2, where he says, which things the angels desire to look into, referring to the incarnation. In other words, there's these people, what do you think the angels have seen in their life? Mm -hmm. Like they have insight into spiritual warfare. They see God doing the things that he does in a way that we we can't see. They interact with other angelic beings, both good and bad. Like there's all this crazy stuff going on in the spirit. What do you think they've seen and how long have they been around? Maybe they saw creation for all I know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's just wild to think all the things an angel might have seen. And it says that the angels are, if the, if the gospel was happening in a room, they're on the tops of the walls, yeah. just gazing at it. They're looking at the incarnation of Christ and saying, what is this? Mm -hmm. What is this? That the God that we serve, that, that is overall, that is all, uh, has made himself one with his creation and is there to save them and to love them. Like that's, like you said, it's not something we're ever actually going to wrap our heads around, but it's something we should spend more time meditating on uh, and living in awe of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was First Peter 1 you were referencing there, where it talks about the angels desire right. to look into that. First Peter, yeah. Yep, First Peter 1.10, you're right. Yeah, but Hebrews, that's yeah. some really, really wow. strong language there as well. I like that you brought that up, talking about... Uh, talking about how he became lower than the angels. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. And I don't yeah, think the, you were kind of talking about it off the air, how, uh, that doesn't really, the, the, the magnitude of that doesn't really compute with the world during this time yeah. of the year. Well, don't you sense a, a little bit of a discomfort with the secular world? Cause we do, sh this is the only holiday major American holiday that we celebrate sort of, and we share the the Christian world and the and the irreligious world completely share it, but for com like often completely different reasons. Right. Um, but there is a little bit of an, a discomfort with it. I think because a, they don't understand it either, you know, either they they're not Christians and so they don't believe the gospel. And so they're not, they've not been regenerated. They don't have an appreciation for it. But I think also just, just, the the magnitude of it is is almost a little too much to bear. It's like, hey, let me just put out the cookies and milk for Santa and let's just have a and good time and get good. done with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I think we should embrace that discomfort in a way. I don't think we should be at all bashful because it's such a gospel opportunity. And even though it is uncomfortable at times for, for lost people, uh, it's an opportunity for them to encounter the gospel at, at, in, a t- in a way that they would maybe not any other time of year. Oh, yeah. And I think they're probably a little more sensitive to it as well. Because yes. even when they're, well, they're, they're at the like store we're talking about shopping, before, life they're slows. hearing about it. Yes. You know, yeah, and we were talking about it before, but life slows down a little bit, you know, and and even there's so many hints, even within a lot of the traditions of Christmas that aren't Christian. It's not only Christians that get involved in these traditions, and yet those traditions themselves are they're baked in very Christian ideas, like the whole idea of of Christmas being a time for charity, mm-hmm. like that is that is a uh, uh, an idea of that is a very Christian that comes from very Christian origins. Even Christmas lights, the idea is that that line is light has dawned in the darkness. Um, there's a lot of little traditional things that people get involved with and they think, oh, it, this is this is not religious at all. And it does have religious origins and they still engage in it. There's a lot of very Christian ethics in it. But we ought to embrace that because what we're talking about is not just a religious tradition. What we're talking about is the fact that in real time and space in history, God himself became a man and was born and uh that reality is too big to to spend a christmas season not that has to be the focus it has to be the reason and it has to it it should really for a christian it should drive everything else we shouldn't get we shouldn't allow the culture's uh narrative and the commercialization of christmas to, to pull us away from that focus right um that god is with us it's also really neat to see at this time of the year how um secular artists are unintentionally becoming apostles of the gospel in a way you know <laughs> yes, what i mean absolutely and they don't even they're just singing a christmas song but they they're preaching the gospel to people and don't even realize it have you ever heard certain artists singing songs and you and you just thought to yourself as they're th- if you're listening you're like are you thinking about what you're saying yeah it, it does baffle my mind sometimes it's so wild because yeah. some of these christmas carols are just rich mm-hmm. with good doctrine. Like they are telling, they are preaching the gospel and the truth of the gospel so clearly in the, in the, in the words. Yeah. I think the one that stands out to me the most, there's this woman that sings Hark the Herald Angels sing. Her name's like Amy Grant. I can't even, I wonder if she even realizes what she's singing in like the deep Christian doctrine. That's, that's all in that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my stuff, Josh. <laughs> Dude, I was for half a second about to tell you, like, dude, Amy Grant is a Christian artist. Yes, I, I know. It took me a second to pick up on the sarcasm there. I'm just, I'm just hating. <laughs> I heard a great, I ran across this great poem just today. I'll read it to you. It's from John Don. Um, Say it, go again. The guy's name is John Don, D-O-N-N-E. And he wrote something called uh, Holy Sonnets. And in it is a poem. And here's how it goes. It says, Wilt thou love God as he thee? Then digest my soul, this wholesome meditation. How may temple in thy breast. The father having begot a son most blessed. And still begetting, for he ne'er begun, hath deigned to choose thee by adoption co-heir to his glory and Sabbath's endless rest. And as a robbed man, which by search doth find his stolen stuff sold must lose or buy it again. The son of glory came down and was slain us whom he had made and Satan stole to unbind. Twas much that man was made like God before, but that God should be made like man much more. And it's just crazy. I love that. I loved it when I read it. Cause I'm like, man, I've never thought about it that way. Like if you, if you got robbed and then found your, and your stuff got sold and you ran across it somewhere, you, you're, you're, you lost it or you have to buy it back. And that's yeah. exactly what happened with us. God made us. And because of sin, we were lost. Mm-hmm. Back. Um, it's just a, just a wild thing to think about. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Christmas is, uh, it's definitely, it doesn't get the hype that it should get. 
in the most uh in this in this spiritual aspect of it i should say sure and it and it certainly the commercialization of it certainly ignores both of these things we've talked about both of these things can cheapen the fact that what we're talking about is 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 cosmic Mm -hmm. it's not about uh the most wonderful it's not just the most wonderful time of the year it's about the most wonderful person in the universe and it's about the most wonderful event that has ever occurred in history and so the songs that we sing really the most as Christians are about that, mm-hmm. not just about the most wonderful time of the year. We like some of the secular songs too, but um, the truth is it's so much bigger than that because God came. And it, in the secularization of Christmas, the nativity has become this sort of cute thing. Right. Um, and I'm not against the decorations. I'm not a hater. I'm not like that. I think it's cool. I've seen some really cool nativity scenes and I think they're awesome because at least it's, it's showing uh, the incar- it's, it's a depiction of the incarnation. Uh, I'm not a second commandment violation guy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just thank God. But, uh, <laughs> but I like the nativity scenes. I think they're cool, but, but they often can tend to be like, Oh, that's a cute manger scene. That's a cute nativity set. And it sort of ignores the humility and the grimy down to earth dirtiness of the poverty that Jesus was born into and the, the normal life he lived the ordinary life he lived, even though he himself was the perfect sinless son of God. And, uh, I just hope, I just hope if you're listening that that is your focus mm-hmm. and that is, this is something your heart can exalt in that, that we were talking about whether or not you get many or few gifts this year. It, if, if your heart is exulting in that and you're really, your heart is set on it, it really, you could get no gifts yeah, and you'd have a great Christmas. Absolutely. And I think I just want to throw this out there as far as the secularization and stuff of Christmas. Um, I hear some people get real worked up about that. Oh, they're taking Christ out of Christmas and all, all this stuff. And, you know, like you're talking about, they, they're singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year and all that. Well, first, well, what do we really expect? from the lost world. It's really unfair of us at this time of the year to expect unregenerate people to be like sanctified. Yeah. They don't know any better. And it's, that's our, that's our job. Yeah. I was about to say shame on us for seeing that. And we just complain about it instead of try to capitalize on the fact that they're thinking about, man, why is this time of the year? So wonderful. Everyone's so happy. What's the big deal? Like, Shame on us for not taking advantage and saying, well, why is it so great? What really makes it so great? Yes. And using those as gospel opportunities. You seize opportunities where people say, hey, it's it's the most, I love this time of year. That's an opportunity. Like you can stop shopping at a grocery store because they say happy holidays if you're going to be that way. Or you can keep going there. And they can be like, man, everyone's just so happy. And you're, you're able to walk into a gospel opportunity and something like that. I I guess we just need to stop trying to like sanctify the culture and just realize that they're unsaved people doing unsaved things. And it's our job to evangelize them. That's right. Yeah. Most of the things we want to, we want to naturally complain about because we're Christians and other people are not, are usually a lot of those things we want to complain about are usually opportunities. Yeah. And what a shame if we miss opportunities to be right, you know, that would be terrible. So there you go. I got my little soapbox in. Yeah. If I could uh, throw a soapbox in here, you know, we, I don't care if you tell your kids that Santa's real or not. I'm not going to make any judgments on anybody who does or doesn't. I think kids are going to believe in Spider-Man or Batman or whoever they want, whether or not they believe in Santa Claus. So I'm not going to judge anybody for how they approach that. The truth is I've told my kids since they were born that Santa is not real and it doesn't change one thing. Our neighbor puts Santa on his roof every year and they're like, ah, there he is. There's Santa. I see him. Like they don't care. They have a blast with it either way. But one thing I will warn you about is, you know, there is a secular message with Santa that goes along the lines of earn your good, be good for goodness sake. And there is a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of, um, yeah, you know, we hinted at this at the beginning of the episode, 
but earning your earning the good things that happen to you and be good for goodness sakes because uh, Santa's watching and of course we know that God is always watching and and um he will judge righteously but the truth is the greatest gifts we've been given were given by grace mm-hmm. and the truth is any good thing we get is from above uh comes down from God and and we sh- all gifts should be seen as from him primarily and knowing that any gift that he gives is a gift of grace because we deserve nothing um because of our sin. And so starting with that point, and I think uh, sometimes if we're a little too secular, not enough Christian in the way that we celebrate, we can paint the wrong message for our families and we can look just like a sort of a, a pagan celebration of Christmas without intending to, because we've just been sucked into the world's way of doing Christmas. I want my kids to know explicitly what Christmas is actually about and that every gift we get is, is by the goodness of another, not us. Uh, everything we have is by grace and every gift is from God. And so I, if that'll be my little soapbox moment yeah. for this episode, like, Hey, let's let, let's, I'm not, whatever that you like saying or don't like them. I don't care. I watch movies with Santa in them every year, but um, let's keep our eye on the ball with our families, especially in, in our churches. Yeah. And again, that, that goes back to that. The world has no other frame of reference. They think you have to earn everything that you get. And that goes back to discipling. Yes. In the home. Yeah. It almost, it almost is like, here's an alternative explanation for why we're giving these gifts out mm-hmm. you know um but wow that was a fun episode josh i love christmas so yeah happy holidays talk- clay <laughs> <laughs> we could probably talk about christmas for like three hours so yeah well we uh we said in the ep- the title of the episode clay that there's announcement so we should make an announcement anything in particular you want to announce uh yeah, I have good news and I have sort of sad news. Are we ready for this, Josh? Yep. Here, I'll I'll break the sad news. How's that? Guys, my hair's turning even more gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clay, uh, Clay, start with the good news. Start with the All good right, news. All right, let's start with it. Hey, guys, I have great news, exciting news, big news. First. How about this? How about this? You be the bearer of good news, and I'll be the bearer of the bad news. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm good. I'm good with it. So, as some of you may already know, if you follow me on social media, I accepted a call to pastor a church. Uh, so, I'll be a full-time lead pastor for Hope Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, starting on January the 1st of 2023. So that is just just mind-blowing, exciting news. Uh, it's both exciting and, and, and I'm pumped about it. I'm also very sad in a way because uh, this last chapter here in of my life in Panama City has been a, uh, there's no other way to say it, it's been a wonderful, wonderful chapter of my life both for my family, uh, both uh, also for me personally in ministry, in my occupation, even outside of ministry. It's been a very rewarding, very fulfilling, uh, very blessed time. And uh, I have so many friends here, you know, all the friends I have at our church at Fellowship, obviously. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities I was given there uh, to flourish in ministry and to exercise the gifts that God gave me uh, for his glory and uh, to give it 110%. And of course, to work alongside Josh at Fellowship uh, has been a privilege. The best it's, part. Been a... <laughs> it's been, the truth is, it's been a real honor. And it's, well, I don't mind saying this on our podcast. Um, it's a little bit vulnerable, but I'm okay with it. We've talked to you guys about a lot of our of our stories. And, uh, and I, Josh, I'll just say this. Um, I wasn't sure when I came to Fellowship how much I wanted to be in ministry anymore. I knew that I wanted to be involved in church and I knew I wanted to serve, but I had seen some unhealthy things in ministry and I wasn't sure how I fit into that anymore. Even though from a, from a kid, I, I was called to preach and as a teenager, I was called to preach and I, I really believed that that's what God wanted for me. Um, I didn't know how I fit into that, the, that picture anymore because I, I just came in, I came to fellowship um, in some ways a mess and um fellowship was good to me and the leadership there uh josh and tyler particularly and uh, and their wives uh they they uh, made us their friends and and uh you know 
I am who I'm to, I am today, four and a half years later, if you can believe it's been that long already, Josh, um, because of those blessings, because of God's goodness by bringing these people into my life and this church into my life. And that has what has set me up for this. I never thought I would be a, a pastor again, believe it or not. Some of you know this, I was a pastor at one time, but I'm so excited about it. And uh, I'm just excited about what God's doing. Some of you guys know Brian Edwards. Um, of Hope Church up in Danville, Virginia. He's uh, he's the one, his church is, this is an outreach of his church, is planting this new one. And so I'm going to be the lead pastor there. And so, uh, hey, the good news is uh, I'm doing something that my heart is in and I'm passionate about. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'll probably be talking to Josh even more then than I do now <laughs> because I will have tons of places to bump my head and ask for some advice. And yeah. so... Uh, I ask that you guys, as the listeners, I know you guys have supported us. I ask that you pray for me um, because I will I will need it. Um, this is a huge undertaking to move my family halfway across the country. You know, that's a 10-hour drive from here. And in a few weeks, every all of my stuff will be in a U-Haul and we'll be going up there. And so please be in prayer for me. Hey, if you're near Greensboro or in Greensboro and... Maybe you are, maybe you're listening to this and you've really struggled with church. Maybe you haven't found a good church um, or maybe you're just in a church that you, that you don't feel is, um, is consistent with scripture, but you haven't known what to do. Maybe you're stagnant or you're in a church that doesn't teach good doctrine or something like that. I'm not trying to, if you're in a good church, I'm not trying to take you. I'm not about that business. I believe, I don't believe in chasing sheep. I think it's only right to chase the lost with the gospel, but I'm, I don't mind if you're, uh, if you're listening to this and you're, you feel stagnant and that God's, you've been feeling that maybe that tug from the Lord that you need to do something different. Maybe this is your opportunity. If you're in or around Greensboro or moving there or anything like that, we would love for you to come help us and uh, be a part of this, this, this new thing. And it's going to be big. We're going to be, it's an existing church. That's, um, that's sort of replanting and revitalizing as hope church in Greensboro. And so very exciting but a huge, huge uh, journey ahead of us mm -hmm. and um, just excited about what God's going to do there. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big undertaking, Josh, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's uh, I'm excited for you. I think it's going to be great. I think you guys are going to do well there. And I just knowing a little bit about the behind the scenes and everything. It, it's the, what's the verse? man plans his way the lord directs his steps that's the josh yes. johnson version it's just one of those <laughs> things that's like yeah you can't really help but see how god has kind of put things together over time so it yeah. that's from that perspective it's exciting for you to see you guys do that you know it's uh it's also hard and challenging because you know you won't be here anymore and that's <laughs> well that sucks <laughs> but i can't uh, tell you that's Dude, that's, that's the part of it. That's even terrible for me. Like I am mourning the end of a good, of really good time in my life. You know, it's, it's tough, but I think it's cool too, that, you know, it, to hear you say the things you did and like how God has just been getting these things ready over time. Yeah. And to go from, you know, I don't even know if I want to do this, do ministry to where you're at today. I mean, just praise God for that. That's so exciting to hear. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, you know, to God be the glory for all of that. Absolutely. Do you want to hear something? Oh, I may have already told you this. My oldest daughter, Felicity, she's eight. She, she comes to me the other night and she says, Hey, how many days are we still going to be in this house? And we've been in this house for over four years. Uh, about the same time we've been at the church, four and a half years, we bought the house right, right after we came to the church. And I said, about 20 days. Well, that's about half of her life she's been in this house. And I said, we're going to be here about 20 more days. And saying it even made it resonate with me. I'm like, wow, we're about to leave this house in 20 days. And she got a little somber. And I said, are you sad? And she said, yeah, a little bit. She's, you know, I said, I'm excited, but I'm sad too. She says, you know, it's like when you end a really good book and you just wonder a little bit what the next page would have said. Man, that was so deep. And yeah. that, that hit me. I'm like, oh, baby. I'm like, you know what? You can always reread the book. That's the good thing. Yep. And uh, and I do think that, you know, when I'm as I think about the sadness of not being here anymore, it will cause me to remember all of the amazing things God's done in the last four, four years. Josh, we were just talking off air about the last 12 months. 
the, mm-hmm. the amazingly positive things, even at fellowship that God has done in the last 12 months. I'm just grateful to have been able to be a part of it and be present for it to see what God's doing um, at the church. And so, um, man, big stuff, big stuff. That's the good news. That's the good news. But the good news, the, the good news and the not so good news are connected. Yes. Okay. So I get to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> so, um, yes, Clay is Clay and his family. They are moving to Greensboro and God's going to do great things with them there uh, at Hope Church. Um, as you know, we've mentioned it occasionally on the show. Uh, I've started my, my master's at um, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, that's been mm-hmm. going pretty well. Uh, but I, I desire to continue that. That's my plan, uh, to continue and hopefully finish my masters of divinity before I turn 55. And, um, so that's something that's on the horizon, continuing to be on the horizon for me. Clay's moving up there. And, uh, with that, we had to have a chat. (laughs) Let's call it a chat, Clay. Yep. We had to sit down and ask ourselves, what's the what's best moving forward? Um, life really a lot of times comes down to your priorities and how you can make the most of the time that you have. And with Clay moving to Greensboro and like he said, you're entering into a replant, really. You could even if you wanted to just call it a straight up plant, I mean you could. Uh, yeah. uh, Clay entering into that, entering into a whole new season of life in a whole new place with all new people and trying to, by God's grace, build something there, you know, for the kingdom. And then with the things going on here, we had to say, what does that look like for our podcast? And as you can imagine, it looked like, dear listener, uh, Probably the best option for us right now is to press pause, to pump the brakes, and to say we need to devote our time and energy towards these other things that God has brought into our lives, that God is leading us to. And, you know, if God brings us back around, okay, that's great. But for now, for now, and who knows, this might be for forever, but for now, we're saying, this might, this is going to be it for a little bit from us. Yeah. And, you know, if you guys uh, want to connect with us, you know, we, we're both on Twitter. I know Josh doesn't spend a ton of time on Twitter, if any at all anymore. But uh, you're, are you private on Instagram? Or are you public on Instagram? I'm public on Instagram. Okay. So you can go follow, follow Josh on Instagram or me on Instagram or, uh, or, uh, or on Twitter. And, uh, and let, even if you, we don't post, you can, you can hit us up if you want to say, Hey, uh, check on us, see how we're doing. I mean, I'll be on social media periodically checking in, but, uh, we certainly want to keep up with you guys. We've made, I've made several friends, uh, through this, uh, and multiple, I would say acquaintances where we've had great conversations and I would, I would certainly, uh, love to hear from you guys more in the future and keep talking, um, and keep connecting because those, yeah. those conversations have been enriching. But as Josh said, you know, we were, the truth is Josh, we went into that conversation about the podcast. And honestly, my thought was, I guess we'll announce this break for before season three. And the truth is, man, uh, we really, I really need this break with the move and everything. But I, as we talked about it, um, it just was really clear to both of us before we even started the conversation. Mm-hmm. We we were sort of scared to be the one to say it to the other. Yeah, it was funny, but I was like, "Do we do we think it's wise to commit to coming back early next year, like we did this year?" And we both kind of agreed that it wasn't wise. And and I hope you guys understand that we don't want to commit. When we started this thing, we said, "Hey, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right." And we, we believe that we had a really good run. But even within the last couple months, we've noticed with the changing environment around us, and we 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 hope that you guys have understood because we've missed you know we've missed episodes or or submitted sermons we've preached instead of episodes, things like that. And I know that you guys have been so understanding, but we don't want to commit to something to come back in February of next year or something like that. And then when I don't even know what my life will look like in February of next year, yeah, didn't I you don't say have, you're not even sure about your own lodging at that point. Yeah, we're we've been given a temporary 
be like in North Carolina by a partner church. Um, they're good friends of ours who have offered a place to stay, but we won't even, it's possible by February one, we're not quite yet into our permanent apartment. And I say permanent apartments aren't ever permanent, but you know what I mean? Like it won't even be our actual landing spot. We'll be outside of Greensboro in a temporary situation. I don't even know if I'll have a lodging by February one. That's not, and that has nothing to do with the church side of it, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to be trying to, to spearhead new projects and, and, have volunteers and start ministries and revitalize things. And I don't know how, I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like. And so we didn't want to make a commitment to you guys that we couldn't put our best foot, our best foot forward and put our real effort into it. And we don't want to, uh, to just survive and not deliver good content. If we're going to put these mics in front of our face, we want it to be helpful and uplifting and edifying to you. And we don't believe right now we can commit to that starting off next year. So we kind of got on after, by the end of that conversation, we were in a full agreement, like, Hey, the wise thing to do is to just hang up the mics for now. And, uh, and, you know, we, like Josh said, we can, we can revisit that in the future and who knows what God will do. But uh, for now, we just wanted to be wise with our uh, wise stewards of our time and what has to come first. And I know that you, our listeners understand this more than most is our, is our families. Yep. And the flocks that God has given us to minister to. And uh, Josh, you're, you're advancing your education. That's a huge priority for you. And it's a great thing. I'm, I'm glad you said yes to that. That's a, that's, it's an awesome thing for you. And, uh, but, and then with me, I'll actually be entering a church planter training uh, with the send network uh, with the Southern Baptist church, which, you know, Josh, I guess we were going to have an identity crisis next year anyway, on whether or not I was a real Baptist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. But, uh, But I'm going to be affiliated with the Southern Baptist, and that means they're going to put me through their church planner training, which I'm I welcome. I think that's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. But that's just another thing, yet another thing. And we don't want you guys to be on the back burner. If we're going to do a podcast, we want to do it right. And I think I think that makes sense. And I hope yeah. I think our listeners, if I know what I know about them, I think they understand what we're saying for. Even though you might be sad, <laughs> the truth yeah. is we're a little sad too. We pressed record tonight and said, "Man, this might be the last time." That mm-hmm. that's a sad thought, but. uh Hey, friendships, friends are friends forever is if the Lord, <laughs> how does that go? I don't know. That's Michael W. Smith. I'm not about that action. <laughs> if, if the, if the Lord's the Lord of them or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's been fun and we have had some amazing <laughs> conversations with some wonderful yes. people, uh, things that, you know, I never would have anticipated and, and people we've talked to that I wouldn't have uh, ever expected. Oh yeah, but it's, oh yeah, it's just Josh, cool. we didn't go ahead. Josh, we didn't. We I was gonna say we didn't plan to talk about this, but God has used this podcast to shape me in some very valuable ways. Um, that some of some of these conversations we've had have been so uh, enriching, and and it pushed me to study more, and it pushed me to read more, and it pushed me to learn God's word better and to have a more of an appreciation for, um, for the, the scriptures. And I, the people who have helped drive that in with us, especially those guests that we've had on, um, I just can't say enough about how much this experience has meant to me. And I'm grateful to you for, for asking me to saying, Hey, let's do this. Let's, let's put our, let's put our toes on the ground and let's actually do this thing. I'm, I'm grateful to you for suggesting it and for, and for all the work you've done behind the scenes, you've been really driving a lot of the behind the scenes work. And uh, it's been a great experience. It's been a great ride. No, I appreciate you saying that. And it's been fun to just chop it up every once in a while, you know, and have conversations. Yeah. It's cool that this is a resource that we can go back and listen to that other people can go back and check out. And um, like you said, we're still around. If you're in Panama City or Greensboro, hit us up, you know, come down here. We'd love to hang out and and connect and drink coffee and, you know, do all the fun Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for now, we've got sadly we have bigger fish to fry at this point. And so that's that's where we're at, y'all. That's where we're at. We really appreciate your your faithful listening to the show and your support and um who clay i guess i wouldn't have guessed we would have hit like we're just under 100k downloads we're really really close oh, that's insane that's insane uh, 100,000 downloads that's i don't think that's normal for a podcast within the first 2 years at the amount of content we've produced 
No, it's not. Not at all. No. We really thank you guys for that. But, uh, Clay, you got anything else? Don't let anything distract you from the beauty and glory of Christ. There it is. There it is. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. Be sure to check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, for more resource recommendations and to join our YBP community.